What up? This is Alex Monaco. You're listening to On The Board Sports Podcast with Will and Sean. Let's go. Welcome back to another edition of On The Board Sports. I am your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean T, a.k.a. Shawnee on the mic, quarantine in Queens, New York. And as always, I'm joined by my main man, best co-host, the co-host with the mostest, William Trucci, a.k.a. Will C. Will, how are you doing, sir? In Long Island right now? Well, I'm Long Island, all right? Let's get that straight. I'm Long Island. In the basement, working out. But we have a very, very special guest with us today. Yes, we Joining do. us from Brooklyn, New York, is the one and only Dan Canobio of CompuBox. Dan, long time no see, but how are you? Good. How's it going, guys? Thank you uh, so much for having me on. Anytime, man. Always a pleasure, man. Always, Always a, pleasure. a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So, so Dan, so actually, go ahead. <laughs> so, Dan. With this, with everything going on in the world right now, with box, with every sport being on hiatus right now, with the exception of the NFL draft, okay, how is copy boxing doing right now for for you? Uh, it's tough because there's no fights. Um, you know, we make a living, you know, going to fights, counting punches, uh, doing my show. I still still doing my show because there's a lot of chatter going on. A lot of fighters are calling each other out, but the, most of the narrative right now is about how we will get back as a sport and when we will get back. Uh, it's been tough for everyone in boxing. You know, we lost some some uh, important people to coronavirus. You know, Eddie Cotton was a former referee. He was a referee in Tyson Lewis. He passed away. Uh, just yesterday, Mendez, the owner of the Mendez Boxing Gym over in the Flatiron District, he passed away. Um, he has a really, really good gym and he hosted a lot of the fighter workouts. So it's, it's definitely hit boxing hard uh, in terms of, you know, just from a personal level, but also, just you know, getting back. Uh, you know, it's we're starting to hear more and more rumors every day. Uh, Bob Arum of Top Rank has been a voice of reason, and uh, he's been someone that is getting back. It wants to get back at a safe. He's kind of been the complete opposite of Dana White, and it's actually very refreshing because you think of boxing as like a, a sport that doesn't have a lot of rules and a lot of shady characters, and there's a lot of like you know fighters that shouldn't be fighting or fighting and this, that, and the other, everything you've heard about boxing. But it, they've honestly been doing it the right way. So hopefully we get back uh, in June, I'm hearing, late June, early July. It's going to be in envi- uh, fans, without any fans. It's going to be in these closed environments. And we're hearing maybe somewhere in Texas where Top Rank wants to have a one gym, one location for the foreseeable future. I think that's how it's going to work. It's going to be in one location mm-hmm. where everyone gets tested, and it's going to be one of the first sports to come back regularly, I think, because it only takes two people, uh, two combatants, uh, to go at it, you know, outside of a ref and some other officials. It's a lot easier than football, baseball, when there's a lot more people involved. That's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. Then, um, as you said, CompuBox, you have other shows you have. Uh, just tell everybody, how did those things, how did uh, everything that you do and everything uh, that you run start? How did those things come? How about? Okay, yeah, so my, my dad is Bob Canobio. He created CompuBox in 1985. Um, so I've been around the sport a long time, been around boxing since I was a kid. You know, some of my earliest memories, you know, Mike Tyson fights, you know, hanging around with those guys and, and running around Atlantic City, uh, Toro Gotti fights, and, and just growing up around the sport, I always knew that I wanted to be involved with the sport in some capacity. Um, I didn't think I'd be involved with it this much, but I, that's a great thing because I, I really love boxing and I love all the stories it brings. So I, w- I would say around 2014 is when I started uh, as a punch counter with the family business. Um, in between doing that, I started working at Bleacher Report, started working at CBS Sports, MLB Network, kind of as a um, as a researcher, producer behind the scenes. And then 2017 is when I started doing more on-camera stuff, hosting my show. Uh, just recently, as of last year, um, got on with Fox Sports, so I do some stuff with them on camera, on TV, doing it. Just been been a blast covering boxing and sucks now because you know boxing doesn't have an off season so there is no like time off that's the only sport where maybe maybe golf I don't know if golf has takes a few weeks off at least boxing doesn't take any time off so this is like kind of uncharted territory for myself and a lot of people in boxing because 
you always have a fight. There's always a fight on Saturday or Friday. So it's been kind of tough, but all in all, I've been in, in the sport my entire life. And uh, I would say the last close to eight years, I've been, uh, you know, as a professional in, in boxing, not fighting. <laughs> who's been the, the top rated boxer outside of Floyd Mayweather? Who's been the top boxer for you in your mind outside of, you know, the obvious number one in this whole boxing, uh, in boxing in general? Uh, you're saying in, since like in my generation or our, our generation? Well, at right now, right now, outside of Money Mayweather. Uh, Canelo Alvarez. I mean, he is the uh, clear cut uh, best pound for pound fighter, in my opinion. Um, you know, maybe Lomachenko's close second or Terrence Crawford. Uh, but I think that Canelo is just so far above the, the rest right now in terms of star power. I mean, uh, the dude just rakes in money. Uh, he's been around since he was like 18 or 19. He fought Floyd Mayweather at age 23. You know, he got beaten soundly, but, you know, he learned a lot less in there. Hasn't lost since then. Uh, he's definitely the cash cow, and he's also really good, and he's very popular, and uh, he's like a well-respected, uh, you know, person in boxing. So I would say Canelo Alvarez and, uh, you know, some of the heavyweights started to make their way up into the uh, – into the public knowledge, not that they're at the level of Canelo, but, you know, popularity wise, you know, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, they fought in February is one of the last fights that I actually attended. Uh, then you got Anthony Joshua. So this, boxing's in a good spot right now in terms of uh, stars. Dan, um, I have to get your take because I think Wilder Fury won. That was a very good fight. Nobody won draw. And the anticipation for part two, was so high, and Fury completely warped uh, Wilder's butt. Yeah. Um, it's a two-part uh, a question here. Part one, what did you think was going to take place going, going into the second fight? And now that we know that there's going to be a third fight, what do, you, what do you think Wilder has to do to beat him in the third fight? All right, so going into the second fight, I – picked Wilder. And I think a lot of people picked Wilder uh, yeah. because of he was just trending in a better direction. He was coming off of that huge knockout over Brazil and um, the second Ortiz fight. And he just had less mileage. And I felt that I thought that Wilder was really starting to come into his own and come into the prime of his career, where I thought that Tyson Fury took a lot of punishment in an Alo Valin fight, get a huge 44 stitches over his eye, huge cut. Yeah. He, you know, he was doing all this stuff outside the ring, which I thought was distractions. Well, obviously, I was clearly wrong. I mean, he was doing WWE. He was, he was everywhere. He was literally doing so many other things. But when you come to know Tyson Fury, he has to do those things. Those are the things that keep him on track because he has a, a history of drug use, of alcoholism, of depression. He has right. to stay active. He has to stay busy. So heading into that fight, all those reasons I just explained was why I thought Deontay Wilder was going to win. But then, the day of the weigh-in, there were rumors that Tyson Fury was going to come in at 270 pounds, which I didn't believe, and he did. There were also um, rumors that Fury was going to take the fight to Wilder. He said, I'm going to knock you out in two rounds. Yeah, that's not Tyson Fury's like style. Tyson Fury is a boxer, not a brawler. So I didn't think he was going to be able to do that either. But once I saw him at the weigh-in, and he looked huge. Fury. He looked like straight muscle. And I say, you know what? I'm, I, I don't want to change my pick last minute, but man, I would not be surprised if Fury went in there and kind of like, you know, bullied Deontay Wilder. And he absolutely did. As for the third fight, I think it's going to play out exactly the same. I think that, uh, I think that Fury has Wilder's number. I mean, they fought now seven rounds in the second fight, 12, 19 rounds. And of the 15 of the 19 rounds, Fury has outlanded Wilder, according to our stats. So it's not like, you know, the first fight you say was a draw, but it really wasn't. I thought, I thought Fury was. <laughs> right. yeah. So, you know, Fury has just dominated him for close to 20 rounds now. So I, I don't see how it would change unless, you know, Wilder has that, that insane power. So you can always say, like, one punch can change everything. But I'd be surprised. But uh, if I had a bet, I would put it on, on Fury once again in the third fight, whenever that happens. Uh, and um, then, um, as you uh, said, Anthony uh, uh, Joshua, he's been kind of yapping the past couple of uh, days. He did get his um, he did get his belt back, so he's just waiting for the winner of um, Fury um, uh, uh, Wilder. Wilder, yeah. Um, so just talk about him losing the belt 
getting the belt back? And do you think the better fight for him will be against Wilder or will be against uh, Fury? I think the, the better fight is against Fury because it's an all-British uh, showdown. I think yeah. it, it, British has a long history. The, the Brits have a long history in the heavyweight division, whether it's Lennox Lewis, so you can go back even further than that. Um, that fight it would be massive. It would be for all the belts. That's never happened before between two British fighters. Uh, it would be at Wembley Stadium. There'd be probably over 100,000 people there, or, you know, I don't know what it would look like now, considering the post-coronavirus <laughs> world, but if we lived in a perfect world, it'd be 100,000 people there. Uh, it would be two big, huge personalities. That's the fight I want to see. Either or, I mean, Wilder, if Wilder beats Fury, he certainly deserves a shot at Joshua for all four of the belts, but just from like a marketing standpoint and something like a spectacle, I'd like to see that. But as for Joshua, I put on a good performance against Ruiz. He did what he had to do, completely changed his whole style on the fly, which is really hard to do. He went in there and, and kind of outboxed uh, Ruiz. He moved a lot. He lost like, you know, 15 to 20 pounds of muscle. Did what he had to do. Uh, I don't think that's a sustainable style. I don't think he can uh, run for that long, especially with – like Fury, who can cut off the ring, and Wilder has got a big punch. But, you know, he did what he had to do. He survived in advance. So, yeah, the heavyweight division is looking good right now. Absolutely, Dan, absolutely. Dan, when we're talking about boxing, you, you've mentioned worldwide boxers that are well, well, world-known, okay? Talk about the New York boxing scene here for a second because outside of the past history with Mike Tyson and, you know, Jake LaMotta, guys that – you know, our household names to most. Who is that up-and-coming boxer that's coming out of New York right now? And there, we have the Golden Claws. We have everything like that going on for sure. Uh, but who is the next best thing coming out of New York boxing-wise? Um, there's been kind of a void, like you said. Um, you know, there's a guy, there's a kid by the name of Tufimo Lopez who – I've become friends with and is a great kid. He's 22 years old. He's a world champion. He just won his world title in December uh, when he knocked out Richard Comey in two rounds. He's born in Brooklyn, moved out to uh, Vegas and Florida when he was about six or seven, but he claims Brooklyn and he's very well, he's very well received at the garden. He's fought at the garden now six times. He's six and zero with six knockouts at the garden. Uh, he's going to fight Lomachenko in June, or supposed to fight Lomachenko. This, that's, that fight is ready to go uh, whenever it happens. That's in a huge fight. That's for all four belts at 135 pounds. Lomachenko is – some people have him number one on the pound-for-pound pound list, but Tifimo Lopez is a guy that's a, is a champion and can represent New York. And another kid, his name is Edgar Berlanga. Uh, he is 14-0 and 0 with 14 first-round knockouts. The kid is He's from wow. the Bronx. Um, he's Puerto Rican. He's a good-looking kid. Uh, he's a lot further back in development than Tiafimo, but he's a name that you're going to hear about, and he is a name that can, you know, keep those fights going. Usually they have fights the night before the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Uh, Miguel Cotto had done it for years at the Garden. A sellout crowd, uh, uh, you know, all Puerto Rican descent going wild. And then the next day you go to the parade. I think that boxing needs that. And I think Berlanga, Edgar Berlanga could be that guy. Dan, you also talk about boxing too here with trying to get more people involved, watching and everything like that. We know that it's really most of the big fights are on pay-per-view as opposed to back in the day before pay-per-view ABC, mm -hmm. you know, the big broadcasting companies would have it. How would boxing market its it's, you know, fighters more in a sense, because we've seen UFC grow in popularity and heights in which is unfathomable, just like that, okay? Boxing is just one of those sports that, you know, it's gonna, everybody remembers the, the big names for sure, but, you know, it's been, it, it's, I feel as if it's, it's still hanging by a thread. What's your take on that? Um, I think it, it, a lot of people have that same sentiment. Uh, if you're not involved, I, I look at boxing like kind of like hockey. Uh, you're a big hockey fan, but it's not the most popular sport, but the fans are hardcore. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a, a niche sport, and, um, but the fans are, are insane. Like, there's a reason why there's sellout 100,000 crowd. There's a reason why Canelo Alvarez is the highest paid athlete in all of sports. There's a reason why these guys are getting tens of millions of dollars. And whenever there's a big fight and it's marketed right, 
like Wilder Fury too rematch. There's a reason why all sports world stops and they watch boxing. Um, at the top, it's up to obviously a little top heavy right now, but I, I do think it's in a really good spot. I do think uh, Fox being involved in boxing is really been a real game changer. Uh, you talked about wanting fights on free TV. Fox has been doing that. They are pushing a lot of their, their really good fights to pay-per-view, and I think that will never change. It's just the way the business is, and that's how they're able to pay the exorbitant prices that they pay these fighters. But Fox putting, putting fights on, on regular on Fox at 8 o'clock, really good for the sport. ESPN getting back involved with top rank, whether it's on ESPN Plus, which is only like $5 a month, or putting fights on ESPN. That's the best way to get it back. I've been a long supporter of getting the fights back on regular TV and off pay-per-view. And I think that will be something we see now in the post-corona world where everyone has financial issues now. A lot of people lost their jobs. No one's going to fork over $75 to watch Deontay Wilder fight Luis Ortiz in a rematch. That's just not going to happen. I think that the promoters and the networks are going to get more creative. Maybe they'll do cheaper pay-per-views. Maybe they'll put the fights on regular TV and then charge the advertisers more like they do for the Super Bowl. Like, can you imagine like Wilder Fury on regular Channel 5 or, cha or Channel 7, the ratings that, that would do? You know, people would stop streaming it illegally. That's another thing that's a problem with, with pay-per-view. It, it, it would have to, you would then charge the advertisers who want to put commercials on more money. That's how you make the money back. It won't be the same as pay-per-view, but it'll be damn close. And I feel like there would be less piracy. But, you know, long story short, I think the Fox thing is in a better place. Uh, if you're involved with it every day, you would, you would, you would see that a, a right. little more. Got to get the fights back on regular TV or pay-per-view. That's a good point, Dan. Uh, that's a good point. Dan, so let's transition from the boxing ring to the basketball court. Mm -hmm. Jordan, the documentary, it came yeah. out on Sunday, part one and part two. Me and Will spoke about it uh, yesterday. We feel that part one and part two was absolutely great. <laughs> Tell me and Will your thoughts on part one and part two that uh, we just saw. I mean, it was freaking amazing. I feel like we were all sitting around watching a sporting event again. Everyone was on their couch. You know, everyone was together. Everyone was tweeting. I felt like we were honestly watching, like, a basketball game where we were – honestly watching a documentary about a team from like 25 years ago. <laughs> it's crazy. It shows you how like stars we are for sports or how, how amazing sports bring people together. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was really good. I actually know two of the producers that have been working on it. Uh, they're former HBO uh, boxing producers. Uh, they were the guys that were involved with the Andre the Giant um, uh, documentary and a lot of the other ones. So I'd heard a lot of things about this. I mean, I was thoroughly impressed by, uh, by how it was put together. I, I loved some of the – I wish there was more of Jordan berating his teammates. Like, they showed a little bit of that uh, when he was, you know, chewing out different like, – like Harper, chewing out guys, especially when Pippen uh, went down at the beginning of the season. So, it was all on Jordan. So, you know, in those practices, he had to just, like, kind of just go after his teammates. But I thought there was a lot of interesting nuggets. Like, I knew Pippen was underappreciated. Didn't know that he was – completely underpaid like that that was interesting the, the cocaine circus was <laughs> wild just getting Jordan to like open up you know you know that that uh it took a lot for that and that's why someone asked me it was like yo like how come they haven't done this a lot sooner it was because Jordan just couldn't be bothered now he finally was like you know what yeah I'll do it I'll sit down there's too many damn people saying LeBron's better than me so let's just put it all to rest with this with this documentary absolutely absolutely Dan and you know you look at what also happened too with the Bulls during that time in the early 80s and we get to see them get outdrawn by an indoor soccer team and you know you you alluded to the whole cocaine circus uh, that that's you know you know it we you cover sports you we we're all avid sports historians here as far as sports fandom goes here that's what it was back in the 70s and 80s you know magic and bird came in to clean it up Jordan was the guy that was going to clean it up and the Bulls after that, they shot right up. Although, you know, the first three seasons that he was there, they were underneath, they were under 500. Right. So, you know, could you talk to us more about, you know, just the growth of Michael going from him going from a rookie to, you know, where his second to third year was at that time? It's crazy because a lot of people look at Jordan and they say, you know, he's the best ever and he won six rings. But they don't remember, like, the struggle that he had that a lot of superstars have, even LeBron James. LeBron was on a losing team with the Cavs, what, three or four seasons uh, um, before he finally made the playoffs. And I think they snuck in 
as like a seven or eight seed, just like Jordan did. So every, all these players have struggles, especially the Bulls, like you said, where a struggling franchise, you know, getting outdrawn by those like, uh, what was it, indoor soccer team, and no one, no one cared about the Bulls. There was clearly no like respect put on that franchise at all. That's something that Jordan said too in the doc. He said that, you know, I want to bring like respect to this franchise. I want people to be proud to be Bulls fans. So, you know, the definitely is a meteoric rise for him, but it, you know, it didn't happen like overnight. Right. He had that struggle. And then you saw that, which I think is like the best five minute montage in the history of sports documentaries was that uh, his two game performance against the Celtics in that playoff series when they played and they had it, uh, it was just amazing. I mean, just seeing him, I've, obviously we've all watched a lot of uh, Michael Jordan highlights. We weren't old enough to see that game or remember that game, but put it together like that in the context in which it was in, this dude was just going off on a team that had like five Hall of Famers, the Celtics. <laughs> and they looked on their faces like Bird was just like flabbergasted. You had right. uh, Bill Walton fouled out. You know, they were putting guys on, on him that had no business guarding him. They looked so frustrated. But, you know, obviously they, were, they weren't going to win the series, the Bulls, but they pushed the Celtics to the brink, pushed them, uh, you know, as far as you possibly can in the first round. So, yeah, the upping, the, the rise of Jordan is was, is very um, fascinating because a lot of people just think superstar, six rings, best ever, but they didn't realize that there was like a little bit of a struggle involved. Absolutely. And, you know, you also alluded to the Celtics teams right there. That team won 31 straight home games and at that time was considered the best team probably ever at that point in time with the roster constructed over there. We know about Bird and McHale and Parrish and Dennis Johnson and Ainge and Bill Walton, all those guys. We know, and even uh, I think Casey Jones was the coach too at that point in time. But make no mistake about it, you know, even Bird said it. It was, geez, it was God during game two, playing on basically a healing fractured foot, going out there and scoring 63 on April 20th, 1986. So pretty amazing stuff right there. Uh, Dan, Michael Jordan, was he your favorite growing up? No, because I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, I liked him. I mean, I respected him. And I was thinking, I was a kid, like looked at him like a god because of uh, how, he, how he played and he was just everywhere, Space Jam, the sneakers. But, you know, I was a Knicks fan, so I love John Starks. I love Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley, Der- uh, Mason, Anthony Mason. That's my team growing up. So, you know, there was a lot of stuff posted online leading up to this, obviously, uh, Last Dance. But I, something that I totally forgot about was, uh, remember when the, uh, the the Bulls would do their intros and they had that amazing song and the lights went out? I totally forgot about that bull that they had, that, like, CD-ROM graphic-looking bull oh, yeah. on the streets of Chicago. I remember yeah. as a kid that like scared me a little bit, and it also scared me because I knew the Knicks were going to lose. Like they had no <laughs> shot. That bull like meant that they're going to come stomp the Knicks, stomp me and my dreams as like a ten-year-old kid. So yeah, I obviously like Jordan, but I, I like you know wanted the I wanted the Knicks to win. I just there's no there's not a uh, it's not a coincidence that the Knicks made it to the finals. The only time the two times the Knicks made it to the finals in the '90s, uh, Jordan wasn't on the Bulls. So 94 and then 98, uh, Jordan was retired and then Jordan was playing baseball. Right. And you alluded to those years. Jordan, obviously, Knicks had to go up against Reggie and the Pacers. And we're going to find out more about this whole Bulls team as as we keep on going forward here. Uh, And, you know, you being a Knicks fan, it's going to hurt. It's going to be – it's just going to open up old scars again when they they bring up the the Knicks series for sure. Uh, But, Dan – you know, with everything that has gone on with with the Bulls and with, you know, can we just put this debate to to rest right now? MJ is probably the best ever. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear. I think that's the reason why he did this. Um, I think he's the best. Um, I think we need to stop, like, debating and stop comparing and just kind of be, like, really lucky that from LeBron – I mean, from Jordan, we went right to Kobe – and from Kobe, we went right to LeBron. Like, you might not get that. There might not be a clear, like, who is out there that could be going to be the next LeBron James or keep that streak going. It might not be one. So, you know, it's awesome. to. I like to watch dominance. I don't know about you guys, like, you know, being a Yankee fan, you know, going, they were dominant in the 90s. I like seeing dynasties. I think it's pretty cool. I also really, really respect longevity. You know, whether it's, whether it's Floyd Mayweather, uh, Jordan was not as 
he didn't play as long because uh, I think he could have played as long as he wanted. But obviously, he decided to retire. That's why they made this documentary. But I respect longevity. And, and um, yeah, I, I do think that that Jordan was a, uh, had more impact than LeBron. But I think we just because please just like let's just embrace it, especially with Kobe Bryant passing away. Like there's no reason to have these these arguments anymore. They're pretty silly because you're never going to get a, a real definitive answer. Let's just like appreciate like three of maybe the best 10 top 10 players of all time uh, have played back to back to back. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, well, but before we end the, uh, um, uh, the NBA talk, I got to get your opinion on the current day, the New York team, the, oh, the Knicks, before the season went on the pause, <laughs> before the season went on a pause, the Knicks, obviously they weren't playing well and they fired their coach, so on and so forth. Being a fan, obviously, I know that you watch the games and you're a fan of the team. Is there a coach you would like to see them bring in, or what die, uh, or what is the direction you would like to see them go in terms of? Do you think they should just stick to the draft and you know just build these guys from young? Do you think they should make trades? For, um, what is it going to take to bring the Knicks back to just? Winning 40, 50 games and, you know, being, um, uh, yeah, right? you know, good. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. It's because, I mean, I'm a big sports fan, but the fact the Knicks have been so irrelevant and they've been so bad that I almost, I don't really watch basketball anymore. Like, I, I watch the finals. You know, if there's a good game on TNT during the regular season, I'll tune in. But it's almost like basketball doesn't exist anymore. And I think a lot of New Yorkers can feel that way, too, because <laughs> they're unwatchable. I can't, I don't watch, I, I'll, I'm not going to lie and say I watch the Nick games. I do. I maybe opening opening night, or when they had Porzingis, I was kind of re-energized, and then they traded him. <laughs> so it's like I don't even know. I really have no idea what they need to do. Like they, they it seems like they're just they're throwing stuff at the wall every year. Now they have Leon Rose, who I think is at least somewhat of the model that the current NBA is functioning under in terms of like old our player agents that now run teams. Uh, so hopefully he can bring in someone and bring in a player, or I think it just takes one. I think it takes one star to come and like a legit star, not like St Amari Stoudemire who came as damaged goods. Like we need like a legit guy, whether, you know, it's through the draft or keep drafting players. And I don't even know. I mean, who's the, the head coach they have this, uh, what is it? He's got the interim coach, which they already kind of spilled the beans that he's not going to be here. Next right. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, I have no clue. I mean, I feel like you got to find these diamonds in the rough. I feel like the superstar coaches don't work out anymore. Knicks tried that every freaking year and never, never played out. Even Phil Jackson. I mean, he was never the head coach, but you know, getting big names in there uh, never worked out for the Knicks. So, I mean, I'll just watch from a distance and I will just swoop in if they start to win. I have no uh, problems admitting that. I'll be a Fairweather fan because I don't think there's literally – you probably count on one hand the amount of fans that have stuck with the Knicks the last – Five years, not even the last 10, 15, the last five years. Have been so I don't know. I really, I hope they figure it out because there's nothing better than New York when the Knicks are good. I think that they can take over the whole city even more than the Yankees. Absolutely. And the yes. worst thing they did was they got Spike Lee mad. How do you get your number one fan mad? That I mean, like, you have a guy here who is still willing to go to the games, still willing to put his, like, reputation and <laughs> – you have a, a – it just made no sense to me. A guy that actually went to the games and was willing to go to all of them, and they had to go and piss him off. Like, that's it. I, I understand they, they said they wanted, like, a different – they don't want him being the ambassador anymore. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, Nick, the Knicks and Spike Lee are, like, one and one. They mesh. One and one, right. They right. are, like – there's no separating the two. Like, you don't just do that to a, a legend like that. So, they just do everything wrong. I just – it's, like, <laughs> embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. I mean, you go from you go from James Dolan having the coronavirus, and then you hear about everything that's gone on in the Knicks history, whether it be with, like you said, Phil Jackson, with Isaiah Thomas and uh, Anuka Sanders Brown, or even, oh, God, you, know, yeah. you know, you look at uh, the coach, like you said, you alluded to the coaches, Mike D'Antoni being here, Derek Fisher, Jeff Hornacek, Larry Brown, uh, you know, who else is there? Lenny Wilkins, you know, out before Jeff Van Gundy. You know, after Jeff Van Gundy left, it's just been a total, total carousel. And not only that, here in New York, Dan, we're all New York kids here. We're all five borough kids here, okay? 
think about it. There's been basketball hoops, parks, everything like that. That outnumbers baseball fields. That outnumbers hockey rinks. Everything. Football fields. Basketball is the number one sport here for the person that's playing in the park. And when you're growing Mm -hmm. up and you're hearing all these names going out there and and playing, you know, and you realize what's going on, nobody wants to come here. No, no. You know, and it's funny. I worked at CBS Sports with Danny Granger. And I think it was after his um, deal with the Pacers was out and he was a free agent and he was deciding on teams. Uh, I asked him, I was like, had you even considered going to the Knicks? And he straight up laughed at my face. He's like, no one wants to go to the Knicks. He said, the weather sucks here. Uh, uh, the taxes suck. And James Dolan sucks. He's like, zero players want to come to the Knicks. And he just was like, I just remember walking away like, huh, well, that settles it. You know, he didn't even <laughs> he played for the Heat. Like, why would you? It's Miami with LeBron and Dwayne and Bosh or New York. Freezing exactly. cold, uh, playing with freaking bums so you're right none of these players want to come here they have to change that somehow i don't know what they're doing hiring steve stout to kind of change the vibe make them cooler the fact that the new york knicks aren't cool anymore it's just i mean that's how bad it's become that's how rotten the franchise has become because of dolan i mean makes me sad (laughs) and you mentioned cool you know sean's a nets fan you know kevin durant basically said it the nets are cool right now so it's crazy they are cool i went to a nets game uh, earlier this year yeah i mean they got a good vibe in that arena i mean they got the big biggies playing they got the the dancers and uh you know just just totally different i never thought that would happen i thought the nets would always be the little brother and i still think they are um the minute the knicks get good you'll i think they can squash the nets in terms of popularity but right now there's no there's no i mean it's pretty clear pretty evident i mean the nets are way more relevant than knicks are yep absolutely but we'll see what happens as time goes on and as this coronavirus passes on, and we'll definitely find out more about basketball. Uh, Dan, real quick, I know you did your New York, New York baseball podcast back with Wally Matthews. And, you know, with everything that's going on with Major League Baseball and we're hearing about the mayor basically shutting down the city and the governor shutting down New York State, uh, we're not going to see baseball here in New York, number one. And number two, uh, we're probably going to see games being played down in Arizona and down in Florida where they have their spring training sites. No fan, probably no fans, no nothing like that at all. You're a Yankee fan. I'm a Yankee fan. Sean's a Mets fan. Give us your take on what's going to happen here with Major League Baseball. Well, I have like two things. You know, I have like what I want to happen and what I think will happen. Uh, what I want to happen is them play at least play at their Tampa stadium. So, you know, it somewhat resembles Yankee stadium. The players can, uh, you know, stay at their apartments or, or at least a hotel that's a little more familiar Tampa uh, than, you know, living in Arizona. I don't, the Arizona plan seems a little far-fetched, you know, hearing, you know, talking to players and hearing from players uh, that being away from their families is just not going to fly. Even if the biggest star in baseball, Mike Trout, is pretty much against it. He hasn't come out and said, I'm not going to do it, but he has not really been open to it. You know, Clayton Kershaw said the same thing. I think Zach Wheeler uh, said he's having like a, he's having a kid this summer and he's not going to not see his kid be born. So he could probably count him not playing. I mean, it's, it's insane. Uh, obviously I want to see people. I've been watching these Taiwan, this uh, Taiwanese league or the Taiwan league. It's weird. I mean, but it's not like that weird. I think mean, I feel like the first couple of weeks, maybe or a week, might be a little strange in a quite empty stadium. Um, but you know, a lot of these games, we've seen regular season games not being played in front of full stadiums. Attendance is way down in Major League Baseball, not to the level of zero uh, fans in the crowd. But how many games do you watch early in the season, Yankees and Mets games, where they're maybe at Cincinnati or they're at Tampa or they're at Pittsburgh, and there's like 10,000 people there, 12,000 people there. Like, you, you see a home run land in the stands and there's no one around it. It's not that strange. I mean, after a while, I think you won't even realize that the fans aren't there and you're just watching really good baseball. You're hearing the crack of the bat. You're hearing double play. You know, guys chatter and stuff. I think the baseball will they'll mic up players and they'll find a way to do it. I think baseball will get played. But it's going to be so totally different. And, you know, it sucks because I think the Yankees were clear favorites to win the World Series this year either them or the Dodgers, 
but I think it's going to be totally different. I think there, it's not going to be a legitimate title. It will be earned because all the all the teams are at the same disadvantage. But it's not like you know we're not getting ready for October full Yankee Stadium and, and running through the gauntlet and going to games. It's going to be weird. But I'd rather watch some form of baseball than no baseball. How do you guys feel? Good, Sean. And Dan, and that's a very interesting point you make. I did an interview uh, yesterday. And I was like, you know what? If they could squeeze in 100 games, if they could start the season June 1st or July 4th in that little, you know, uh, month, and they could squeeze in 90 to 100 games and <clears throat> and the season could go into October, November, December if you have to, depending on when you start. And then the guy I was doing the interview with said, Sean, MLB would never uh, do that. And I said, why? And he said, November and the December, NFL, hockey, college basketball. Yeah, but I don't think that matters football. anymore. Do you think that matters anymore? I think you got, I think all those things are thrown out the window now. They have to just recoup any revenue they possibly can. That's going to be the flip side. It's like they won't get as much people coming to the games, like you said, and actually watching the games. But on the – but. It's like you just cannot play because you're just going to lose all this uh, revenue for a whole year. And you're talking about not even in the, uh, you know, 500 um, a million range. You're talking about 1 billion, 2 billion, probably 3. So it's a very interesting thing where I think they're going to try and squeeze in the games. But I think they have to know the later it gets, they're probably going to get less and less fans to watch one and yeah. two go just because it's going to be five, six other sports are going on yeah. at the same time. It's going to be crazy. I mean, we're going to go from no sports to, like, pretty much sports every day of the week. It's <laughs> right. going to be wild. Like, we're not going to be able to even catch up. Like, even <laughs> boxing, they said they're going to do it three times a week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But uh, um, there's, like, I'm holding out hope, and this is not – I'm not basing off any facts or anything that people I've talked to. It's, like, there's part of me that just is, like – Maybe they'll play this three months. They'll play three months in Tampa or three months in Arizona, three months wherever. And then there's somehow, some way that they can play the playoffs in, in the Bronx. Even if it's empty stadium. They can play in, in New York. I, I mean, every time I, I bring that up to someone, I gets quickly shot down. But it's just like, you know, let's have something, something to dream about, something to hope for. But it'll be weird. I mean, if they – like you bring up December. If they do – if it has to trail into, like, November – I do think they'll put the World Series at a in a warm stadium, a warm city with a roof, and they'll play all seven games there, whether it's Texas, whether it's the Miami Marlins Stadium. And that would be weird. That would be definitely strange. But let's just embrace it. Like, pull out all the rule, like, different rules you want to try this year. You know, uh, robot umps. You know, the, the <laughs> guys on second base after the 12th inning. Just go, just go full crazy, and let's just kind of embrace – what it is, get through it, and then we'll move on to next. This isn't forever. Like people have to realize that this this is gonna suck for like a year or a year and a half. But you're, eventually, you, we're gonna get back to to normal life. Dan, you're 100 percent right on on the cake, but you know, with with this new normal now, we don't know what normal is gonna be after this. You know, what we're gonna see now is probably, you know, six foot rule this, and you know people just basically staying away from each other. And you're right. This is all temporary. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. My thing is with all this right now, you know, you go to a game, there's after this, after this year is over with and they find a cure because there's no cure really right now for this virus. And people are still worried about this. My, my thing is right now with everything that's going on is, you know, you're rushing everything back for, making money and trying to make revenue and TV deals and everything like that, because you're not going to get people into the stadium. You're not, it's just not going to happen. You're basically relying on that TV revenue deal right now that you have in place. And with everything that's gone on, you know, you look at the players saying that they don't want to play. They don't want to be cooped up in a hotel. They don't want to be going out there and not be with their families. You know, you alluded to Zach Wheeler uh, he doesn't want to miss the birth of his child. So that's first, and, you know, that's first and foremost right there. It's just absolutely, you know, and you look at the, the NBA started this with Rudy Gobert. 
basically coming out and saying that he had the coronavirus. And then they shut down every, every sporting event after that. NHL came and followed up by canceling everything. Major League Baseball put a hold on everything right now. The NFL, we don't know what's going to happen with the NFL right now. So there's a lot of uncertainty. And we're, they're all going to go through this. And they're all going to find out the NBA is probably going to be the first domino to fall here at this point and see what's going to happen. The yeah, NHL I, I, I with pads and games, time, everything like that. We got to see what happens there. But also, too, with, with the players that are going out there, they're human. They're human yeah. just like us. I know. They're not robots. And uh, I can attest to this from – from boxing like I actually I don't really know a lot of major league baseball players I don't know any NBA players I don't know you know I'm more of a fan when it comes to those sports than I am of boxing which is something that's my business and and what I my livelihood Mm -hmm. I talk to these fighters I talk to the broadcasters involved they are humans just like you know us like yeah I want to see fights come back until you you know they make you get on a plane and fly to a sequestered you know little biosphere to put on fights three times a week like you ever think about that like Think about the, the broadcasters that have to go to the doctors. They're risky. We don't know anything. Like It could be as early as next month they're going to be sending people to, to, to these fights. You know, you don't think about the, you don't think about the, the, the whole logistics of it. You don't think about the, the livelihood. People have families. You're going to leave your family just at your job. And talk about the fighters, too. They're, they're scared. They're nervous. Uh, like I brought up to Primo Lopez before. Um, I did an interview with him, and he has asthma. And he's 22 years old. He's in the best shape he could possibly be in. He's a world championship fighter. There is no, not one ounce of fear in that kid's body, but he's scared because he has. This is obviously like when it first happened. He's scared because he has asthma and he's at risk. So it, it just shows that it could touch anybody. And he's right; these guys are humans. That's. I mean, when I read the MLB, the first article from Jeff Passan about the Arizona plan, I was like, "Yes, do it. I'm in. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go." And then I got down to the last paragraph. It's like players have to be pretty much. Play your game, go to your hotel, play your game, go to your hotel for four months. That is, I don't care how much they're getting paid. I don't care what type of lifestyle they will lead after we get back to normal life. That's rough. That is rough. They have families. You know, they have lives. Like, a lot of these guys go do stuff on their off days. It, it, it's tough. It's tough. But, you know, then on the, other, on the other half, on the other side is they don't play, you don't get paid. So, right. if you want to get paid and you want to it's true. keep that going, you have to play. And you also – there's what form of responsibility do you have to uh, fans out there? Do you, I mean, it's very low. I wouldn't say it's top priority, but giving fans some normalcy, giving fans something to look forward to. People that have been ravaged by this virus just want to watch something. Every night I still look at my clock at 7 o'clock. And I'm like, damn, wish the Yankees were on tonight. I wish the Mets were on. I wish the right. team on 7 o'clock. Usually your brain starts to think sports. <laughs> right? I'm sure there's people out there that have been through hell the last couple of months and you, know, you turn on a Yankee game, turn on a Met game, turn on a fight, turn on anything. You're just like, wow, a distraction. You saw that with 9-11. So, you know, maybe there's, there's that responsibility that they would have to bear too. I, I think that plays a role as well. One other thing, Dan, is do you think the players union for all the, all the major sports come into play here and say to the commissioners and to all the team owners, like, hey, you know, we're not going to, if they came out with the plan, you think the players union would come in and step in? Yeah, or of course. You think, I think so? The MLB, the MLB players union is like one of the strongest unions in the entire country in, in any, in any uh, form of job or, or sector of business. They, they are so powerful. So there's, I guarantee this conversation is going on on a daily basis between Tony Clark and all the players um, getting, you know, going to team by team and maybe the teams are voting on who wants to go and who doesn't want to go. And then they get a collective, uh, you know, a collective vote and they go to Manfred with it. So I guarantee that's playing a role, you know. Um, I think that's going to be it. I think it's going to come down to the players and what they want to do. I think I read – last I read is that they have an agreement in place for, for money because they're not going to get their full salaries, I don't think, because of the – a lot of the players get paid from their – I think the, the whole revenue plays plays a role in it, whether it comes right. to the fans going to it and the advertising is going to be down. That's another thing, too, is uh, you look around Yankee Stadium, there's so many, you know, advertising advertisements on the walls and all over that stadium a lot of that stuff is local stuff you're not going to see that well maybe you will behind home plate at these stadiums because because i know you're not going to see that because they're going to be playing multiple games at these stadiums you know the yankees could play at 11 a.m and then you got the you know pirates coming in at three so it wouldn't really make sense to have a, a local ad behind the yankee game so 
I don't know, man. So many things that luckily I don't have to be in charge of. Hopefully we get baseball from a selfish standpoint. But, you know, if, if it doesn't happen, I, will, I won't be devastated. I'll be upset. But I'm not, you know, you have to think that it's clearly a really, really big issue and a big problem that, you know, these are humans, like you said, playing these sports. So true, man. So true. Dan, moving on from baseball to football now. The NFL draft is literally, it's going to be 24, 24 hours come 8 o'clock. We're 28 go, hours away from it. All right. The Bengals hold the number one overall pick. We know what they're probably going to do over there. They're going to find their successor for Andy Dalton. Yeah. Redskins have number two. They're going to get, they're going to draft the best available player for them. Both New York teams right now are, they need, they really need help on their offensive lines. But, you know, Dan, are you, first and foremost, are you a Giant or a Jet fan? I like, I follow the Giants. Okay. So, you being a Giant fan, who do you want to see taken at number four? Do you want to see an offensive lineman? Do you want to see Isaiah Simmons? Or do you want to see them trade down? Simmons is the linebacker, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, either I, you can't go wrong with with an offensive lineman at this point or defensive help. Uh, just like the Knicks, I it's hard to watch Giant games, uh, especially on a Sunday where there's so many other things you can be doing. I don't play fantasy football. I'm one of the weirdos that doesn't play fantasy football. So I don't really watch football. The time I really watch is when the Giants are playing or there's a really good game on, you know, the 4 o'clock window or, or Sunday night. So it's been tough to actually watch Giant games. They're so bad. And, uh, you know, like I'd rather be doing so many other things on, on a Sunday. But I do know that they need offensive line help. So you know, I feel like the last couple of drafts have been, what, running back, Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones, who I think – is going to be an above-average quarterback. Why not draft someone that's going to protect him? Now let's start making sense, making really sound decisions drafting. Like a, a Saquon Barkley, questionable decision. I think he's an awesome player and great talent, but I didn't really understand taking him at number two uh, when you have a rebuilding team. So now you, you can kind of draft backwards in a way, or you know, rather than the right way to do it is probably draft a, a, a line, an offensive line, defensive line, then go – with your you plug in a running back that can get you 1,500 yards. I feel like that's a lot easier to do. But hopefully they take a lineman. Long story short, they take a lineman. They do the smart thing. Or I wouldn't even care if they traded back and they got more picks because I don't think uh, there's a real big need for them uh, early on in the draft. Yeah, uh, yeah Dan. Um, <clears throat> so I was just um, watching – uh, something here, and they said that the Giants want to trade down from four. The issue is they're not finding somebody to trade with. And I think Dave wants to trade down from four because I think he knows as much help as they need on that line. There is no offensive lineman worth taking at four. Yeah, so, so I think that's why he wants to trade down num uh, 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 num number one. Number two, there's so many guys that if they trade down, they could take. If they trade trade down to like eight or nine, they could still get a quality guy there instead of taking them at four. And like you said, get like an extra second-round pick or third-round pick. I think the Giants should stay put at four. Isaiah Simmons is an animal. He's yeah. an absolute beast. The only question you have with him is, is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Is he a defensive end? Is he – because because – he could do so many different things, but it, but it could actually be a bad thing at the end of the day. So, but I would go with him. And when the Giants have won, when the Giants won their two uh, Super Bowls, they kept the Patriots to 14 points and 17 points. Right. Defense wins the championships, and I think they have to get that side done. And it's kind of like you said, they drafted the wrong way to begin with. <laughs> Yeah. You should have took the line first, then the quarterback, and then the back. The yeah, I mean, look at it. They, they could have just came in and got um, – I mean, Gurley was available, <coughs> right? He didn't he just get traded? And the, the yeah. running backs are like – their shelf life is like five years before they're right. traded. So you could – you draft – you build a line, and then you plug in your running back. Like, obviously, these guys aren't as good as Saquon. But right. it comes to the point where it's in like two or three years, maybe when the Giants are good again, Saquon is going to be almost – at his peak or, or past it, right. considering how rough and tough it is uh, for, for running backs. It's tough, man. It's, it's brutal. Giants, just like the Knicks, just letting us down. 
And this is to prove your whole point. The two starting uh, um, backs in the uh, Super, uh, uh, Super Bowl, mm-hmm. undrafted. Yeah. The two Just starting like, running I mean, backs in the Super Bowl, I mean, undrafted. when's the last time the Patriots had, like, a really good <laughs> running back? Right. Plug in anybody, going back to, to when they first won the Super Bowl. They just like plug, plug and play, plug and play. Right, they have a system in place. I mean, I like Saquon a lot. I think, I mean, he's probably the only reason to even watch Giant Games at this point. But you know, I, I didn't like that pick at number two. I thought it was, it didn't make any sense. I just they were rebuilding, and you pick a running back, and I don't know. But Gettleman, he's he's been okay though. I think it's Slayton, the wide receiver. Has he was good, yeah. A really good pick. Yeah. You know, I I think uh, he gets a lot of bad he gets a lot of bad press because of how he conducts himself. And, like, he's very standoffish, and he just says stupid things, one dumb thing after the next. But he's pretty decent at, at drafting, so I'll give him that. So let's see what he does at this one. Because this is now, what, the third year in a row where they've had a top ten pick? I mean, this could either make or break the franchise. That's true. Speaking of making or breaking the franchise right now, we hear the Jets hold the number 11 overall pick. And they had their franchise quarterback set in Sam Darno. Now, the Jets, in past years – in many of the years, they've gone defense just to try and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. But now Tom Brady is down south in Tampa Bay, and they got Gronkowski yesterday. But that's a whole different story. The yeah. Jets have to figure out what they have to do right now. Me personally, I think they're going to go offensive line. You know, try and figure out who's going to be one of the four linemen left at that pick. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't – listen, I won't be shocked, and I'll be happy with the wide receiver. Okay, I will be. Let's be honest. The Jets haven't had – a first-round pick that was a wide receiver since Santana Moss. Wow. And the last time they had an offensive lineman for, in the first round was to Brickshaw Ferguson and Nick Nangle. Dan, who do you see the Jets take in number 11 overall? I, I like where you, what you were saying. Like, I, I am more of a traditionalist. Like, build the line, build the line, you know, do the non-sexy thing in football. And there's so much more that goes into it. But like you said, you get so excited when you, when you see offensive uh, players taken, like, they selected Beckham, I was so excited. When they selected uh, Saquon, I, I didn't think it was the right pick, but I was like, still excited because it's, like, cool. And it's like, all right, something to look for. But you know deep down inside, like, yeah, this is a sexy pick, but it's not the right one. Like, the right one is, is to build build a line, and that's how you win in, in football. But, it's like, you know, it's not going to make headlines. But, uh, yeah, I think the Jets need to protect Darnold. The same way I think the Giants need to protect um, Jones. So, I mean, Darnold was almost – you know, look, he was like running for his life uh, in these check games last year. It's tough. You can't yep. do anything if the quarterback isn't upright. So, but then again, they need wide receiver help. I mean, they're depleted there. These teams, both the Giants, and, the, and they have so many needs. So, hopefully, you know, the more picks they get, the better you can do. Uh, I just want to see both teams, you know, respectable again. It's so much fun when both teams are really good. Like going back to 2010, 2011. Having Rex involved, those were like the best times ever. You know, like uh, it was so much rivalry. The Giants and the Jets like really don't really like each other. I'd like to get back to that. So whatever picks can get you back to the Giants and Jets win ten games a year, all for it. Yeah, well, it's important to have the offensive line because if you don't protect the franchise, you're going to end up with Andrew Luck part two. Andrew yeah. Luck retired at 28. Exactly. It's a brutal sport. You got to protect these guys. I mean, you make this huge investment in quarterbacks, right? NFL is all about the quarterback, never more than, than ever. If you can't protect them, like you said, Andrew Luck out of the league at 28. So, Donald and Jones, I think, could be really good. So, let's keep them, you know, off the IR and on the field. The future of New York football is looking, you know, right now on paper. It's looking pretty good with the dreaded P word that we all like to use, potential with Saquon and Danny Jones leading the way for the Giants and them having the top five pick. The Jets, we know what's going on with Jamal Adams and Sam Darno uh, holding number 11 overall pick. But, uh, Dan, real quick here, bro. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Talking sports with us, number one. And number two, how do the people follow you on social media and how do the people follow CompuBox? Well, it's pretty easy. You can follow us at CompuBox on Twitter. And on Instagram for myself, at Dan Canobio, on Twitter and Instagram, and doing these celebrity breakdowns. Uh, I love whether, them. Uh, what's up? I love them, by the way. They're great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I broke down all the Rocky fights, and I did stats for all the Rocky fights. You can check that out right now at CompuboxTV.com. 
uh, most recently went and broke down this fight between Kim and Kourtney Kardashian, which is <laughs> trending to be the fight of the year for 2020, sadly. Uh, so, you know, I'm just trying to, like, pass the time during this sportless <laughs> quarantine life uh, with no boxing by, you know, making people laugh. Um, I think people are going crazy in terms of, like, the debates are getting old, watching old fights and old sports. I'm tired of, do- of watching it. I mean, some of the, the talking points I go on Twitter, especially boxing Twitter, it's just getting stale. I mean, fighters are calling each other out, which they're never going to fight because of <laughs> politics or because we're just not going to see fights anytime soon. Or they're arguing about, you know, cla- like, you know, fights that will never happen or, or these like hypothetical fights like Sugar Ray Leonard versus Floyd Mayweather. It just gets to the point where like, I got to see like a real fight. I got to talk about something that's really, really going to happen. So since I won't participate in those talks, I will do other things to make people laugh. I will try to break down more of these weird wacky fights and try to have fun. Dan, that's the main thing. And at the end of the day, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day and it's how we use it. And you're doing, you're doing the best of your ability, man. And, uh, you know, just want to say thank you for, uh, coming on. We do, I do have one more question for you. All right. Hit me. Okay. What do you see happening here first? Do you see the NHL and the NBA coming out first saying that they're going to suspend the year or do you see baseball coming out with a date? for their opening day. Oh, man, so hard. Uh, I'm just going to be optimistic and say we get all sports back without fans. And uh, UFC will be back first, May 9th. Um, And then boxing will follow. And then we will see MLB and NBA and NHL. I do think we'll see it because uh, there's money to be made, uh, Americans to be, you know, entertained. As long as it's safe, I think that – it's, it's safe as long as it's safe and the, the fans are I mean the players are protected and the people around the sport I, I do think we're going to see sports this year it's going to be a lot different but I do think we see them all right uh, I definitely agree to I think at some point we're going to get all four of them back uh, soccer too uh, at some point too so so we shall see well absolutely Dan thank you so much for coming on and you know, you, some time to talk sports with us. I know it's been a long time since me and you, we talked. Yeah, seriously. It's been, it's been a great time. I hope you're staying safe over in Brooklyn and, you know, just please, we need you for coffee box. <laughs> uh, I'll be safe. Likewise, you guys, thanks for having me on. And uh, hopefully next time we talk, we'll actually have games to talk about. Absolutely. Dan. Exactly. Always a pleasure having Thank you on. You you're always that. welcome back on the show, man. Thank right, you. Thanks again. a lot, guys. Take care. I was the one and only Dan Canobio from CockyBox. Awesome, awesome job right there. Just, Sean, just unbelievable, man. You know, what? any final thoughts? Dan is an awesome guy, man. He knows us so, so much boxing, basketball, football, baseball. So, shout out to Dan. I definitely wanted to ask him um, the boxing uh, questions because – I don't talk much about my love for the sport, but I'm a huge boxing uh, fan, and I agree with him. Well, 90% of the world picked uh, Wilder to win that fight, and Fury whooped. Fury busted his right um, in air drum. That's Ooh. hard to do. Like, blood was pouring out of, um, uh, of his air. That's hard to bust. Mm. It's so strong that he... So it's just crazy, man. So great job talking to Dan, and... Uh, a year off. Um, the draft is uh, coming up soon, so uh, we shall see who the Jets take for you, the Giants take for Dan, and my Titans take for me. You know, we always – I feel like I got to say this, man. You know, we always keep on talking about the Jets and the Giants here. Dude, who do you see the Titans taking? So that's tough because the Titans – well, for a team that made it to the AFC Championship game, the Titans have some holes to fill. We traded um, our best defensive end, um, so we got to fill the need there. We lost two uh, cornerbacks, so we got to fill the need there. Uh, we let our backup uh, running back go, so we got to fill the need there. And we need a backup uh, quarterback, too. So, we'll, for a team that made it to the AFC uh, championship game, you would think, all right, well, they only have, like, one or two holes. Well, we have, like, five, six holes. So, right. I think we're going to go cornerback first. And then look to fill that need um, for the backup backs in like you know rounds two, three, and four. But I don't know because the Davion Clowney, he's still an out there. Agent. And the and the GM for the Titans, he came out last night and said the draft 
may dictate if they pull their uh, contract or not. So if a defensive end or an outside guy falls to them and they uh, take him, Clowney is going to have one less team that wants to uh, bring them in. So the Titans are in a very interesting uh, situation here, Well, Absolutely, Sean. Great points right there, man. Sean, any final thoughts on this episode? Nope. Uh, shout out to Dan again. Glad he's staying safe. And um, you could just tell tell him he's yearning for the boxing to come we're back. All, you we're, could all just we're all yearning. We're all yearning. You're right. Yeah. So, well, uh, shout out to you. Uh, shout out to Dan. And um, he said it perfectly well. Hopefully the next time he's on, we actually have sports to talk about and not a pandemic. Right. Absolutely. So, We'll definitely see what happens there, man. You know, we'll definitely see what happens. Really have no final thoughts. Just just trying to gear up for this NFL draft, and, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. For Dan Canobio, shout out to him. Thank you for coming on and sacrificing some time to talk with us. And for my wonderful partner, Sean Thomas, Shawnee on the mic, I am your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. We'll see logging out. We will definitely talk to you guys soon. Peace out. Stay safe out there. For every essential worker, God bless you. Peace out. Amen.